0: From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where Michelle
1: discusses the issues of the day with the Conversation's politics team. Hi, my name is Amanda Dunn. I'm the politics and society editor for The Conversation and I'm speaking with Michelle Grattan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amanda. Michelle, more bad news today for those of us with mortgages. The Reserve Bank has put interest rates up another 50 basis points to 1.85%. How's the government responding to all this? And is there some concern that people will actually blame the government for the interest rate rises? The government essentially is
0: saying that people knew that these rate rises were coming, that they're not its fault and that things will uh, settle eventually. I think in terms of blame, Amanda, we saw the news poll at the beginning of this week which showed that the government and the Prime Minister still had very strong support I think the honeymoon is still going along quite strongly, but the government's very aware that this is the short term and with high inflation, interest rates, other problems, people will eventually become grumpy. And when they become grumpy, they tend to blame governments.
1: Yes. All right. guess we'll see how that all pans out. Now, Michelle, on another topic, opposition leader Peter Dutton has today announced an inquiry into the potential for advanced and next generation nuclear technology. So this is with a view to enhancing Australia's energy security, but also reducing power prices, he says. So this is likely to be highly contentious as nuclear power has always been in Australia. How do you think it will play out politically? It's got a long way to go,
0: obviously, because this is just the start of the examination. It's not that surprising that uh, he's announced this because when he uh, put out his shadow ministry, he appointed Ted O'Brien, shadow minister for climate change and energy. And Ted O'Brien has been a, a strong nuclear advocate. So therefore, the signs were there but it will i think over time if the opposition does adopt this as a policy going to the next election uh, really be another stage in the energy debate, in the energy wars if you like. More immediately the opposition today at its uh, parties meeting discussed the government's climate legislation that's to enshrine the 43% target, medium term target and the opposition will oppose that when the uh, vote is taken this week in the House of Representatives. It really had no choice uh, but to do this, of course, because Peter Dutton had already flagged that position in a captain's call. Most of the opposition members are quite happy with that position of voting no on that legislation, although there was some muttering from the moderates about it. So they're not completely united, but nevertheless, uh, that's the way they're going. But perhaps the more interesting issue, Amanda, is uh, where the Greens will land on this. The Greens today have had a party room meeting. They're divided on whether they should uh, oppose this legislation or not, or let it go through. And there's another party room meeting tonight. Now, As distinct from what the opposition does, what the Greens do is actually important because when this legislation reaches the Senate in a few weeks' time, they will either make or break
1: it. So all eyes are on them at the moment. Okay, and Michelle, on another matter, last weekend, Anthony Albanese released possible wording for an amendment to the Constitution that would give First Nations people a voice to Parliament. So while this wording was generally warmly received, there's still a long way to go on this issue, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. This is just the
0: start and the government is going to have to sell this case uh, really, really effectively because there is division about it. And also, of course, uh, referendums are very hard to get through. You need not just an absolute majority of votes, but you need a majority in a majority of states, four out of the six states. Now, even in the Indigenous community, there's not unity on this issue. Some Indigenous leaders would prefer that truth-telling and a treaty were put before this voice-to-parliament issue, or that all were pursued at the same time. And we don't know yet what position the opposition will take. Peter Dutton has said he has uh, an open mind at this stage but quite a lot of people within coalition ranks would be uncomfortable supporting this referendum
1: so there is a lot of work to do. Okay, Michelle, just to an issue that has been fairly low key, but actually will affect a lot of people if it goes through. Parliament is soon expected to vote on a bill that will effectively nullify the law that stopped the Northern Territory and the ACT from legalising voluntary assisted dying. Now, this bill is 25 years ago. And in fact, Tony Burke, whose job it is now to see the bill through, was actually one of those quite vehemently opposed to it you know, that quarter of a century ago. But attitudes have come a long way since then, haven't they? Yes, and the legislation is expected
0: to go through, although it won't uh, reach the Senate in uh, this current sitting, which uh, ends at the end of this week. The original bill, the so-called Andrews Bill, was to overrule Northern Territory euthanasia legislation, which was quite pioneering in its time in the mid-90s. And it really uh, set the scene for the whole euthanasia debate to evolve over the, the next two decades and a, a half. Now, the situation is completely different, of course. There are voluntary assisted laws in every state. And it's now the Northern Territory and the ACT which are the outliers. They don't have this legislation. And now the advocates for this legislation, led by members from the territories, are arguing that people in these areas should have the same rights as other Australians for their parliaments to make laws on the the matter of voluntary
1: assisted dying. And Michelle, while we're talking about Parliament, Anthony Albanese was elected on the promise of a much better political culture and especially of much better debate within Parliament House. How's that been panning out so far? We've only had a week and a half, I know, but has there been any improvement in the general tone of debate? You need a microscope to
0: see it, I think, Amanda. (laughs) Basically, um, no, there hasn't been a great deal of change. Uh, Certainly, though, what we're seeing is a very activist government. They're they're doing a lot on multiple fronts and they're celebrating, for example, the uh, first piece of legislation, the aged care bill, an aged care bill has gone through and much was made of that by the government and there was a a press conference to talk about the fact and various People there and, and an aged care worker presented a, a dollar coin to Anthony Albanese. You remember during the election campaign, he advocated uh, an increase in the minimum wage and used a dollar coin to illustrate his point. So much activity on the government side. On the opposition side, they are really still trying to settle into their new roles, come to grips with their new roles. I see uh, often one member. At Aussies, the coffee shop in Parliament House, and he looks glummer by the day as he consoles himself with a, a cup of coffee. I think a, a lot of them are having real adjustment
1: problems. Yes, well, no one wants to be in opposition, Michelle. <laughs> All right, well, look, it's been terrific to talk with you. As always, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Our theme music is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can find more podcasts
0: from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.